Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to have you here with us at Shine Church. Welcome. Uh, those of you joining us online, welcome to all of you. We're glad that you've chosen to, uh, to chime in and dial in uh, with us today. We're in, the, we're in uh, a series called The Covenant, and we're looking at, uh, I know that sounds a little bit scary, right? It sounds like kind of boring classroom lecture, you know, covenants of the Old Testament. Come one, come all. But actually, we believe that God has something really, really powerful that he wants us to know about him, about his character, about his nature, about his love for us, um, through looking at some of the covenants that he made thousands and thousands of years ago. And uh, so we've been looking at some of those different covenants. We've looked at Adam. We've looked at, at the covenant of Eden and whatnot. We've learned, I encourage you to go back and listen online if you haven't yet. Um, we've learned about the idea that covenant reveals that God is faithful, that he can be trusted that he's unchanging, that when he makes a promise, he is faithful to it and keeps his word. We've learned the idea that covenant tells us that God is pursuing us in relationship, right? Is it fun to be pursued? <whistles> Guys, it's, a, it's like two weeks before Valentine's Day. Ladies, is it fun to be pursued? Anybody like chocolate? Anybody like that? Yeah, it's fun to be pursued. It's fun to feel like someone loves us and is honoring us and, and desiring relationship with us. Obviously, guys like to be pursued too. I'm, but the point of it being that we're learning that, that covenant reveals that God is the initiator. That he, that, that, that in his imagination is where relationship with, with you and with me started. That he conceived of how cool would it be for us to walk together in the garden. Take a step back. How cool would it be if I created a universe, put a planet in it, put a garden in it, and, and then put man and woman in it so that we could walk in sweet friendship in the cool of the day? So relationship was completely initiated, envisioned by God. And so covenant is really looking at some of the ways in which he took steps to say like, let me clarify the parameters. Let me establish promises. Let me, let me build a, a framework and a structure and a bridge where we can have relationship with each other. And so we're going to continue on uh, in that vein. And today we're going to look at uh, the covenant that God made with Noah in Genesis chapter 6. But I wanted to start off with a question. And that is, oh, if you could get the clock countdown going. <laughs> I just got three minutes for free, guys. Yes, okay. Um, <laughs> it doesn't count if it's not up there, guys. I'm, I'm doing the full 30. Okay, um, but here's the thing. This, I want to ask a question. Have any of you ever felt alone have you felt like you're in the minority have you felt outnumbered have you felt like the things that matter to you your values uh your your convictions uh the things that you really believe in maybe even some of the things you'd be willing to, to die for or or really fight for are not shared by those around you you feel maybe have you ever felt like you're backed into a corner maybe a lot of us feel that way for, for one reason or another. I believe that today's word, if, if God dedicates messages, maybe it would be dedicated to you. And if you're not feeling that way, yay, praise God, happy for you and with you. But chances are there might come a time when you feel like you're in the minority, where you feel like you're alone, where you feel like your voice isn't being heard, you're not able to move the needle the way that you want to, you're not able to influence your family, your friends, maybe it's your nation, whatever, in the way that you wish you could. I believe that as we look at God's covenant with Noah and his relationship with him, God wants us to understand that with God, we should never underestimate the power of one. 
With God, we should never underestimate, listen, hear me well, never underestimate the power of one, the power of one man or one woman who says yes to him, the power of one man or one woman who makes themselves available to partner with God. So I wanna start, I wanna give you, kind of, I'm gonna take a few minutes to build the, the, the framework and kind of the setting and the background, and then we're gonna just hit it at the end with five specific action points that I believe God wants us to understand so that we can truly come all the way through that tough season, that storm, that flood that Noah faced and get to the other side and be an army of one and a force for good, okay? So let's jump in real quick. In Genesis chapter six, verses five through seven, it reads these words. Pastors talk slower when they're waiting to get their glasses on. Okay, here we go. Genesis 6, 5 through 7. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every... Okay, stop right here for a second. Sorry, gotta stop. If you've ever been in marriage counseling, you probably have been advised to not use words like always, never, every, all the time, right? Have any of you heard this? If you've read books or articles, you're like, don't ever, that's, that's, those are trigger words. <laughs> if you want to fight, just be like, you always, you know, you never. It's like, no, 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 don't ever. Listen as we read this paragraph describing the condition of society in Noah's day. See if you hear any of those naughty words, okay? Here we go. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. How many of you guys know we're in trouble? <laughs> it's not good. If, if God is regretting that he has made us. Somebody's going to the principal's office. It's not a good day, right? And that word for regretted literally means to breathe heavily or to sigh. Have you ever felt when you're just like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't, we made a decision and we find ourselves at a dead end or against a brick wall or in a corner and we just don't know where to go from here. That's what I believe is the word of God is expressing to us that God felt in his heart. It says he regretted that he had made things and he literally grieved in his heart. So things were bad. You think we have it bad nowadays? It's been bad before. Would you agree? Okay, let's turn on. Here's the interesting thing though. We find a twist in the very next verse. So after God is grieving and saying, I'm sorry that I've made him, there's two words in verse eight that are game changers. And those words are these, but Noah, say that with me, but Noah. I said, say it with me, not after me. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm just ornery. I'm just feeling ornery today. But Noah, two power, it's okay, we can say it again. Are you ready? One, two, three. But Noah. <laughs> Maybe you've heard messages. You know, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. Woo, glory to God. We love to preach up in here sometimes. And man, I've heard it. Maybe you've heard it preach. Two words that can change everything but God, but God. In the scripture, sometimes, man, you're reading a story and it's like, this was bad and this crisis came against God's people and it was hopeless, but God. And how many of you guys know when you read, but God, something's about to change. 
Something's about to, to turn because God's about to, to do something that only he can do. But here, interestingly enough, we find a very different twist, but one that is equally as powerful. And I believe it's from God's perspective as he looked down on a creation and a society and a culture that had completely turned their backs on him. And there's those two words very much in a different lens that says, but Noah. And it says this about him. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. And it simply describes him in these three phrases. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. He was a righteous man, he was blameless, wanted to reflect, conduct himself in a way that reflected godliness, and he was faithful in his walk with God. And I believe that, you know, I'm not gonna take a long time right now to, to talk about those three things. Maybe that's a, worth some study individually and some meditation, some prayer saying, God, what does it mean? Show me what does it mean? Of course, I can tell you this, the righteousness that Noah had, it was not his own righteousness and his own effort and his own strength. I wanna be very clear about that. When we read the word righteousness in the Bible, let your heart and your mind instantly be reminded we're depending on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm choosing his. If he offered to let me have his report card and take my report card, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I'm like, I'll take the A plus, please, that Jesus scored, and I'll give you my little, I'm not gonna say what, what, what I score most of the time. You can ask my wife, talk to her later. She'll tell you what my report card can be at times with my kids. But here's the cool thing. It's his righteousness in us. It's his perfection that God offers us. But we have that choice to, to receive that, to walk from it, to embrace it, to allow it to, to be the core of who we are, our identity. But so he walked righteously. He was blameless. And uh, he walked faithfully with God. But then in verse 11 through 13, God continues to describe to Noah his reasons for destroying all of life and his plans to do so. So God is just kind of like pouring all this out. Can you imagine being Noah? Like... <laughs> Yes, it's bad. He's like, I'm going to destroy everything. I'm going to literally, it's wipe it all out. And I was like, okay, okay, you know. He probably, at that point, had Noah's attention. Would you agree? <laughs> and all of a sudden, in verse 14, he's like, so, here's what I want you to do. Make yourself an ark. And he begins to give him instructions. And I was like, okay, I think that's a good sign. <laughs> if he were just going to wipe us all out, he wouldn't be bothering with telling me to build something, right? So I'm okay, I think things are maybe beginning to change a little bit. And then in verse 18, listen to what God says. But I will establish my covenant with you. There's that powerful word that we're studying. I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. And then in verse 22, it gives us another powerful uh, insight into how Noah lived. It says simply this, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So I'm gonna kind of let those simmer a little bit of those descriptions of, of, of what caused Noah to be the type of person that would grab God's attention. That in a sea of wickedness, God would be like, but Noah, I see you. I see you. I wanna encourage you right now. Maybe you feel like you're all alone, but God sees you. 
God sees you. Our God's eyesight is eagle eyes. He sees even one person, one man or one woman, one mom, one grandma, one dad, one employee, one friend who is saying, God, I want you to be glorified. God, I want your kingdom to come to my family, to my, my culture, to my, to my city, to, to my world. And God sees you just like he saw Noah. And so we see what happened next. We see that there was a reward. There was a reward from God. And what was it? Well, in verse 23 of chapter 7, in verse 24, we read this. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. We know that the waters came. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, covered over all of the mountains, the highest things. Everything was buried in water. And every living thing on the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground, the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Here's something that I believe God wants us to always keep in the forefront of our thinking is that when we choose to live in a way that honors God, the first reward is that salvation can come to our family, to those in our immediate circle. What do we see there? That Noah got to bring onto the ark his wife, his three sons, and their wives. And I want to encourage you, don't ever believe. In fact, the Psalms are filled with, with times where the psalmist was crying out to God, like, what good is there in being righteous? God, what, is, what difference does it even make? I'm suffering financially. My soul is chasing me down. I'm hiding in a cave. This is what you call rewarding, living a righteous life, honoring you, desiring your glory. But I want to encourage you. There always is a reward for honoring the Lord. It might not always be like it plays out in this story, but there always is a reward. But in this story, we see that God honored Noah and brought salvation to him and to his family. I want to encourage you, the things that you're doing, the decisions you're making to honor God are going to bless those around you. It's not just going to bring salvation or blessing or deliverance or healing to you, but there's a ripple effect. There's what, what I like to call collateral blessing. You've heard of collateral damage. In God's kingdom, there's collateral blessing. A bomb of blessing goes off. It ripples. And other people get blessed because of a decision that you made. Maybe you've been blessed, if you think about it, by a decision that somebody else made, right? Maybe you've been blessed by a praying grandma or somebody in your life that, that, that made choices that brought salvation and hope, joy into your life. God wants to use you in the same way in the life of somebody else. But it doesn't end there. So not only is there a reward of salvation for ourselves and our family, but I believe that there's another reward that goes beyond that that we see here, that what begins as a blessing or covenant with us or even with us and our family can grow exponentially to save many. What begins as a blessing for you and your family, even though that would be enough, right? I mean, in a sense, it's like, wow, God, if my decisions can impact those around me, that's awesome. You're, you're good, you're kind, you're merciful. But God wants you to know he actually wants your partnership with him, the way you live as a man or woman of God to have ripple effects that bring salvation to many. In this case, we see it in chapter eight, verses 20 through 22. It says this, then Noah built an altar to the Lord God. Let me pause there for a second. So after God had caused the waters to recede, they'd been on this ark. Think about this for a second. They'd been on this stinky boat with a bunch of animals, hippopotamus, hippopotami, I don't, anyway, whatever, whatever the plural that is, giraffes, you know, stinky, zebra, all that stuff, slopping the hogs, you know, doing the thing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've lived that life. 
They've been on this ark a little bit over a year and finally the waters recede. It gets stuck on Mount Ararat and they're able to go out and, and be on solid ground again. And so it says, where we pick it up here, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, ceremonially clean, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Even though every inclination of the heart, of the human heart, is evil from childhood. Not everything had changed, right, circumstantially, but God's attitude towards us had changed because of one person. So even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. And then I want to read you uh, a few verses from chapter 9. Chapter 9, verses 8 through 11. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you. Again, God is showing that through covenant is how he builds that bridge of relationship with us that we can count on. I will establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Can you imagine the party? I mean, here they are sacrificing. Now, by the way, separate message. I'll let Janelle, Pastor Janelle, preach this one because she's our, our worship pastor. Does an incredible job. Thank you for leading us in worship. And there's a whole message here about the idea of what happened in God's heart even as they offered that sacrifice. Even as they came out and the first thing they did was give thanks to God. God, thank you for bringing us through. After a year in a smelly boat, what was, what was their choice? To say, let's stop and honor God. God, here we are. You've kept us alive. You've been faithful to us. You kept us fed. You kept us in shelter. Yeah, maybe everything around us was destruction and chaos, but you brought us through. And they offered up an, a, an incense, a sweet aroma of a sacrifice to the Lord of worship. Man, that moves the heart of God. And maybe that's a word for one of you here today, that maybe you're just at a place where the breakthrough that you need to experience is just on the other side of just an act of worship, of just a decision to honor God, no matter how painful the season has been that you have just gone through or that you're still in. So God built a, an altar and, and all of a sudden God uh, uh, reaffirms his covenant with him. And so you can imagine the celebration, right? All of a sudden, you know, they're like, the world's never gonna be destroyed by water again. This is awesome. And all the animals are like, dun, 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 dun. Actually, no, it's not even that song. It's the, I like to move it, move it. I like to move it. You know, and so they're all just like, oh, come on, people. Any Madagascar fans out, that's a great movie. Julian, King Julian, you know, it's so fun. Okay, it's a great movie. Anyway, think about this huge party. All the animals are like, sweet, we're not all going to be destroyed again, you know. It's, but it was kind of short-lived. Oh, well, before I say that. So, and then he establishes like seasons, right? Like, hey, you're going to be able to count on certain things, right? We don't know exactly what the earth looked like before the flood. It could have been a water vapor canopy. It didn't rain necessarily. So we don't know what it looked like harvest and seed time. So God's like, hey, I'm going to give you some things you can count on. Harvest and seed time and, and day and night and cold and heat. And, you know, here's some things that you can kind of count on. We're still experiencing those today. Some states more than others. Maybe not so much in Arizona. We still love you, Arizona people, but... You know, you don't maybe put up with the winter the way we do. But, um, but here's the thing. So all this, you know, God is doing so many blessings. You can read about it in chapter 8 and chapter 9. Uh, God is just unloading, just wow, whoo, a river of favor and a river of blessing. Everybody's partying, everybody's happy. But then the animals hear the next thing that comes out of God's mouth. 
And he's like, oh, and by the way, the next part of this blessing is you don't have to be a vegetarian anymore. I give you all of the animals for food. <laughs> and they're all like, what did I just hear? <laughs> but here we are some, I don't know, thousands of years later. And I want to tell you, if you ever wonder if the covenant that God made with one righteous person has a difference in your life, I want to tell you, there would be no In-N-Out burger if it hadn't have been for Moses' obedience to the Lord. Can I get a witness? There'd be, I mean, I guess it could be like the Impossible Burger, whatever, but no, no. There'd be no In-N-Out, come on. There'd be no Texas Roadhouse, anybody? There'd be no, I don't know, you know, Joy Sushi or whatever your sushi, you know, they were just eating veggies, which is, you know, great and healthy and everything, and it's January, so I should like endorse. Yes, if you're into a healthy lifestyle, amen, the Lord bless you, carry on. But for the rest of us, we realize that God gave us meat. Woohoo! Come on, guys. Yes. So it makes a difference to honor the Lord. It makes a difference to be a person that partners with him in righteousness. So here's the thing, though. I'm being facetious, of course. But I want us to spend the last few minutes that we have looking at five things that I believe are insights from the Lord if you find yourself still in the smelly boat and you're still in that place where the flood is all around you, and man, you're like, the desire of my heart is to, is to lean into the righteousness of Jesus, to be blameless, to walk faithfully with God in relationship. I'm wanting to be someone that God, I wanna even do what verse 22 said of he did everything the Lord commanded him, right? I wanna be faithful, I wanna honor the Lord, but I'm still not seeing. It still feels like that prayer hasn't been answered. It still feels like my child is still wayward. It still feels like this relationship is still strained. It still feels like, man, the, the financial crises just keep coming and I don't know how to dig my way out. It still feels like I'm fighting this sickness in my body or this disability or whatever it might be and your heart is groaning before the Lord. I believe that God wants us to look at Noah and at his word and, and understand that there's a few things that we can actively do and I want to challenge you and encourage you with these things. The first one is, I believe that Noah believed what God said. And I believe that you and I have a choice right here and right now to believe what God has said. Maybe God has whispered a promise in your spirit. Maybe God has told you that he's going to bring you through. Maybe God, you know, uh, has, has in some way told you that, to hang on, that he is working, that he is hearing that prayer. Maybe you just need to hear it right now. The Lord hears your prayer. He's not ignoring you. He cares about you. He loves you. And I don't know what the, the particular of your life might be, but I believe that just like you've probably heard it said, we can do more things after we pray, but we can't do anything until we pray. I believe here's another one that probably the same thing rings true, that there is more we can do after we believe, but I don't know that there's more we can do until we believe. Does that make sense? I believe that God's saying, hey, the first thing I want you to do is just simply level with me. Do you believe what I'm telling you? You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to understand it. The Bible is filled with examples. We could read the entire Bible and go, oh my goodness, Abraham and Noah and Moses, all these people that God said, I'm gonna do this incredible thing. And they were all like, okay, I have no idea. Mary, you know, you're gonna give birth to the Messiah. She's like, but I haven't known a man. How, how will this happen? Right? I mean, the Bible's filled with examples of not knowing how, but we still see men and women that made a decision to go, but I believe you. 
I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're God. That's your job to figure it out. But find in my heart, even the father of the demon-possessed young man said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's okay. Don't, there's no condemnation in the Lord if, if you or I struggle to believe. I think God is just waiting us to say, here's my heart, God. I'm struggling with this, but God, let the word of my lips say, yes, I believe. Help my unbelief. In John chapter six, Jesus said, the work of the father is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Guys, God's calling us to live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. It's a passage that appears three times in scripture. Nothing matters more to God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Believe. I want to encourage you, whatever, wherever you find yourself right now, make a choice to believe God. What about this one? I made this one. Any kids in the room? Uh, okay, anyway, this is one, hopefully it'll be easy to remember, and that is obey, keep hammering away. See what I did there? Okay, obey, keep hammering away. What did Noah do? God told him, build an ark. God gave him a very specific thing. Here's what I want you to be focusing on in this season of your life. And we don't know if it was 50 or 75 years, but however long it took to build that ark, Noah had a choice each and every day. I'm gonna pick up the hammer and I got blisters and I'm frustrated, it's hot out in the sun. And if you've seen the movie Evan Almighty, maybe the monkeys are drinking my lemonade and it's frustrating. But I have a choice. Am I gonna continue to do what God has called me to do? You know what? There's a lot of teaching out there on spiritual warfare. And man, I, I don't have anything against spiritual warfare. I think it's, it's important. I think it can be a key to victory in our lives. But I'm gonna tell you this as well, just to, to balance it, is that sometimes we think all the, it's, I gotta know, like, how do I rebuke this particular kind of demon? And is it like, in the name of Jesus, amen. You know, um, how do I do it? And that's great, learn about those things. But a lot of spiritual warfare is just the enemy trying to get me to stop doing what God has told me to do. The enemy, if, if he could have been fighting, no, I would have been just stop hammering. I don't care what you do, but just don't do the thing that God told you to do in this season. So whatever it is that God has told you to do, I wanna encourage you, keep doing it. Keep hammering away. Don't let the enemy discourage you and say, it's not making a difference. Who do you think you're fooling? That ham, what do you think? You're building a, an ark? Come on, that's ridiculous. What even is an ark? It's never even rained before on planet Earth. What do you think? Is water's gonna come down from the sky magically? I mean, the enemy will whisper lies, discouragement, accusation. You think God's for you? God's not for you. God hasn't forgiven you from the last thing. I mean, right? Anybody? Am I alone? The enemy is brutal. He, will, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He will find wherever the kink in our armor is. He knows he's, he's good at that. And whatever he can do to distract, discourage, whatever, to get me to stop doing what God said, just do this, trust me, and keep hammering away. And at the end of 50 years, at the end of 60, 70 years, whatever season looks like, you will have fulfilled what I asked you to do and I will be able to show my faithfulness to you. Keep hammering away. What about this one? When appropriate, speak up. When appropriate, speak up. Use your voice. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, uh, the apostle is writing and he just kind of randomly pulls in. He's actually talking about how in the last days things are gonna be ugly and dark and dreary and culture and society is gonna be in, 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 in uh, a bad place. But he happens to bring in, he goes, Noah, this preacher of righteousness. Okay, we don't even really read that in the Genesis account. But all of a sudden, somehow by the Holy Spirit, Peter knew that Noah had not just done 
what God called him to do. He had not just believed the word of God in his heart, but he also used his mouth in some way to point others to God. And I believe that God is saying to each of us, hey, in the midst of this season that you're in, and when you find yourself backed into a corner, when you think you're in the minority, when you think what you're doing or your influence doesn't matter, don't let the enemy lie to you like that. Keep using your voice to point to me, just like Noah did when he was building that ark. And here's the thing, it works better when we do number two. Did anybody get that? Okay, I, ha I have to tell you. Finally, Donna got it. Okay. <laughs> Yesterday I was preaching this message and I was all into it and I had no idea what I said. And we had, <laughs> one of the Pacheco boys were sitting right there in that chair and he starts giggling. And I have no idea. And today, his dad sent me, you know those little signs that you put the little individual letters in? and make, He had actually taken the time to say, it works better when you do number two, quote, Pastor DJ. <laughs> and I'm like, out of the entire message, that was his takeaway. <laughs> but I'm going to say it again in case you remember it, and it brings blessing and victory to your life. It works better when we do number two. And here's what I mean. This, using our voice to point others to God works better when we're doing what God has called us to do. When we're living a life that reflects the love of Jesus, the compassion of God, the righteousness of God, then all of a sudden our words, combining with our action and our life and our heart, has a much more profound influence. Does that make sense? I want to encourage you, church. God hasn't called me to, to speak to millions, but I can speak to 100 or 200 here at Shine Church, and I can encourage you this way. There's a lot of Christians right now that are so angry, that are disappointed, that are frustrated, that are hateful, that are vengeful, that are suspicious, that are, oh, you know, just, oh, no. Is, is the sun going to rise tomorrow? And, man, I, I don't want to make light of, of frustration. I don't want to make, I know our country's in a, in a difficult place, and, and it has been, and it continues to be. But I want to encourage you, if, if, if we can find a way to say, God, fill my heart with your love. Fill my heart during these times with your boldness, with your peace, with the idea that, hey, no matter what happens, maybe I don't control certain things, but you know what? My God is on the throne, and he loves people. He even loves sinners. He even loves abortion doctors and, you know, crazy people, you know. People that I think, oh, they're the bad guys. And my God loves them. And he wants them to know him. And so if we will allow God to change our hearts to make us Christians that smell like Jesus, look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, pursue sinners like Jesus, extend a hand to those that don't deserve it, just like we don't deserve it. And God extended a hand of salvation and mercy to us. If we're able to, to live that way and do those kinds of things, then when we open our mouth, it's gonna carry so much more weight and maybe the very thing that we thought was impossible of influencing our society will become more and more possible because people will listen. Let's do the things that God called us to do. Speak up when we can. The last two. Get on the boat. 
Noah got on the boat. It seems obvious, right? After 50 or 75 years. Can you imagine if you had spent all that time building it? And then like the day comes and God's like, all right, get on the boat. You know, storms, you know, brewing. And all of a sudden he's like, well, I don't know. On second thought, <laughs> how ridiculous would that be? I'm sure after as much work and investment as he put in, he's like, yes, I hope the animals follow me, but I'm getting on this thing. But in our lives, how often do we forget to get on the boat? How often do we forget to recognize that God has provided a means of salvation? That God has provided a way through the storm and a way through the flood in our lives. Tell you what, let's not forget the obvious thing. Jesus in the scriptures is typified. There's all these fancy words in theology. One of them is types, archetypes, types of Christ, blah, blah, epiphanies, you know, all these complicated words. But basically it just means when something that happened way before Jesus came, right, represented him and was a symbol of him. And the ark is one of those things because through the ark came salvation in the midst of destruction. And Jesus wants you and me to know that he is the ark for us. That if we'll get on his back, he will carry us through to safety, no matter how impossible the situation seems. Um, a few years ago, we were campus pastors here when it was still Jubilee Fellowship Church. And, and man, we had, I think this was 2013, and, and uh, we... I began to wake up in the middle of the night and just randomly around uh, throughout the day see the number 22. I'd wake up in the night and it would be like 3.22 a.m. I'd go to make my coffee in the morning, the coffee maker 7.22. I'd get in my car, 22 degrees outside. Um, we had a, a pod uh, at the storage unit just up Park Street here, about four blocks up. Uh, we got unit 22. It's still our storage unit. It's in building five, unit 22, if you ever want to drive by there and be like, wow, I mean, it's locked, but you know. This is the shine story unit. Unit 22. There was a pod right outside. Guess what number it was? Number 22. It was our 22nd year of marriage. My social security number ends in 22. Cammy's ends in 22. It was crazy. And I was just like, okay, God, like, I don't know what you're doing here. What are you trying to communicate to me? So, of course, I did the logical thing. I went to my admin at Jubilee. I was like, you need to figure this out for me. <laughs> It's nice to be able to delegate. Thank you so much, Nancy. This is, I'm indebted to you. Um, so she researched it and hey, she sent me this email back and what she said is, hey, it can mean a couple of things in scripture. One is light. It's the number of light because the candelabra that was in the tabernacle that had seven stems had 22 almond blossoms engraved on it. And so it can symbolize the light of the Holy Spirit, revelation, insight. Maybe God is revealing something that was kept hidden or in the dark. And I was like, okay, cool. Sounds good? And then she said, and it can have also another meaning. There's 22 characters in the Hebrew alphabet. The last one, 22, is uh, in some way associated, I think it's either the first letter or in some way associated with ark, the, the word that they use for Noah's ark. And she said, it can symbolize that God is making with you a covenant of safety and well-being. God is making with you a covenant of safety and well-being. And I'm like, okay, cool. And at the moment, it might not have even made that much sense to me, but guess what? 2013 was a really tough year for our family. Um, on the church side of things, we had like 70, 75% turnover in our staff. Everybody just seemed like, you know, God was calling them, <laughs> which is great. You know, you want to rejoice. So the first person comes like, oh, cool. You want to go to the graphics department back at Lone Tree? Awesome. Yes, we bless you. Then the second person like, well, we also want to transition out of our role. You're like, okay, cool. God bless you. And then the third staff member, I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> Nobody wants to do ministry with us. You remember that. 
My wife remembers. I mean, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my goodness, one, two, three, four, you know, several of our staff, a majority of our staff transitioned in a short period of time. On the home front, man, it was tough. Having kids can be tough in general, right? But once in a while, you've got one that particularly goes astray. And we had one of ours that was really kind of going, going wayward and, and made decisions that were truly heartbreaking. And we were like, but we're pastors. That doesn't happen to us. We don't have kids that make bad decisions. We're Christians. We're good. We read them stories when they were little. We had the picture Bible. All right, now maybe we, you know, slacked off a little bit. You know, our, our Bible reading to our kids, if you could graph it, probably went kind of like my wife's breastfeeding as well. It's, it went like quite a bit on the first one and then the second and then, and then like third and then fourth was like, okay, good. We did it for a day. We're good. Sorry, babe. It's out there. Now you, when you see our kids, you'll understand. You'll be like, it makes sense now, you know. <laughs> it all makes sense. No, I'm just messing. But here's the deal. Yeah, we might have slugged out, but we still like, hey, he was still number two. He was still at this point of the graph. What happened? Anyway, all that to say that we went through a very difficult season. There was heartbreak. There were tears. There were sleepless nights. There was anxiety attacks and there was tension between us as parents. And man, you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes those things can just cause a, a cloud of stress, anxiety, anger, confusion, fear, right? All of it mixed in. But you know what? I'm here to tell you we stand here seven years, eight years later. God brought us through. God brought us through. And I don't know if that's exactly what the number 22 meant, but I'm telling you what, that's what we experienced was that God made a covenant of safety and well-being and he brought us through the storm and I'm here to encourage you. If you find yourself in a flood like Noah did, I want you to hear very clearly, God is able to make a covenant of well-being with you. If you will put your trust in him, if you will get on that ark and not get off, he is able to bring you through the storm. I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you just hear, those watching online, that you just hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your situation is specifically, but I don't have to know because God knows. God sees you where you are and God knows what you're going through and God knows how hard it might be to cling to him and to stay on that boat. But he's saying, hey, it's okay. I've got this. Stay with me. Stay on it. That's the fifth thing, actually, is just stay on the boat, right? Once we're on it, and the enemy tries everything he can to, to convince us that we need to jump off, that we're not gonna, it's not gonna work, that God's not gonna truly be able to save us. But he is able to save us. As we were talking to the teaching team about this message, uh, Dan brought out the idea that, that, man, perspective is such a powerful thing that even in the midst of the flood, we have a choice. They could have said, man, this boat stinks. I think I saw several leaks happening. What if we hit an iceberg? I don't know. Let's just jump. Let's just jump ship. Or they could choose their perspective to focus on God has provided. And you know what? Yeah, it's rickety. And yeah, it's smelly. And yes, I have motion sickness. And yes, this is not a fun season right now. But you know what? So far, God has brought us. We're still alive. We're still together. We're still, we're still in this thing. And I believe that God is saying, will you choose a perspective of faith? Will you choose a perspective to trust me? Right? What's our report gonna be? Pastor Rob brought out the idea that when the 12 spies were sent into the promised land by, uh, by Moses, 10 of them came back with a negative report. They saw one thing. Yes, there's big grace, but there's also big giants. And we can't do this. We better not try. I don't think God is able to, to finish what he started. 
But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a good report. They came back saying, you know what? Yeah, it's absolutely true. Here's the reality of it. But you know what? Our God is able to bring us through this thing. And I believe that God is saying, what will your report be in the midst of the storm? What will your perspective be? What will you choose to cling to and believe and proclaim with your lips even when your mind is struggling to understand the how? As I close, I just want to leave you with this thought. God has always done incredible things through a very tiny minority of people. If you want a fancy term for it in the Bible, it's remnant. Remnant. That just means when most went astray, most turned to idolatry, most were not honoring God, but there was a remnant. Even when Elijah found himself in a cave and he was so discouraged, he wanted to take end his own life. And he's like, God, I'm the only one who has not bowed down to Baal. And God was like, there's seven others who have not bowed a knee. Don't be discouraged. You're not alone, even though you might feel like you're alone. I've got a people in this country. I've got a people in this city. I've got a people in your family. I've got a people at your workplace. Hang in there. I don't need a majority, because guess what? One man or one woman with God is a majority. One man or one woman, you, when you trust the Lord, you become a majority in the eyes of God. All of a sudden, God can begin to unleash his miraculous power. So the only question is, will we say yes to him? Will we see his love and his faithfulness, his covenant with us, even when the floodwaters rise? Will we hang in there with him? Will we use our voice, use our acts of obedience to honor him? Will we truly see his faithfulness bring us through to the other side and bring salvation to many? I pray we say yes. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your faithfulness, God. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your promise. Thank you, God, that you know how to speak to us and encourage us and lift us up and equip us. And God, we just say yes and amen to you. God, I just pray that whatever piece of this word needs to be heard by each one of us, that God, would you massage it into our hearts? Would you reinforce that right now? Would you bear witness to that right now? The words of a person may fall to the ground, and, and they should, but the words of the Lord, the words you are speaking, those are the words that bring hope. Those are the words that activate faith. Those are the words that inspire boldness and confidence and, and trust and joy. God, I pray that you would whisper to each one of us what you desire for us to hear, that we would follow in the footsteps of Noah this year, that we would truly be an influence. God, that we would see your glory come to our city and to our nation like never before. Bless your people. Encourage every heart. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for being with us uh, this morning. Wanted just to remind you as we dismiss that there is information for the mission trip out in the foyer. If, just as a quick reminder, we will not be in this building next weekend. We, it is our house church weekend. The doors here are closed both on Saturday and on Sunday. But if you want information about joining house church, go to shinechurch.life slash house church and join one of those I need help finding a group groups and we'll make sure to get information to you this week. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Go in God's victory.